Hello and welcome to the history podcast of pre-Columbian world. I'm Susie, and I'm Johnny. Today we're going to talk about the ancient city of Teotihuacan. I noticed that you specifically said the ancient city instead of civilization. That's right. Teotihuacan was the largest and most influential Mesoamerican city-state in the pre-Columbian era. It was founded around 100 CE, around early Mayan and before the Toltec and Aztec civilizations. At the height of its power, from 375 CE to 500 CE, the city had a population of over 150,000 people. That's a large population. How did the city provide enough food to support the number? The city was surrounded by farms. Teotihuacan was a self-sufficient agrarian city-state. Maize was a major staple in the Teotihuacanese diet, and they also cultivated chilies, peppers, beans, squash, cactus. The city of Teotihuacan also ate wild turkey, dog, rabbit, deer, frog, and caught fish in local rivers. Where did the name Teotihuacan come from? The Aztecs named Teotihuacan as Place of the God in the 1400s, but the city's original name has not been deciphered yet. Geographic location is very crucial to a city or a civilization's development and survival. Where was Teotihuacan located? The city was located in the central Mexican basin near the San Juan River, about 30 miles northeast of modern-day Mexico City. The region has rich soil and lots of natural resources, including a rare green obsidian. The urban planning of Teotihuacan incorporated a developed understanding of cosmology, because the city was oriented 15.5 degrees north, so that twice a year the sun rose directly over the Sun Pyramid. The central city consists of two large pyramids: the Pyramid of the Sun to the south and the Pyramid of the Moon to the north. Which was connected by one 2.5 kilometers main street called Avenue of the Dead. Surrounding the three main pyramids and structures, the Pyramid of the Moon, the Temple of Feather Serpent, and the Pyramid of the Sun were over 2,000 residential buildings for ordinary citizens. These homes were all identical and were covered in murals that celebrated the city's theocracy. The walls of the city were also painted red, red, and streets were whitewashed. The Pyramid of the Sun is the world's third largest pyramid. It was designed to look like a mountain, 61 meters tall and 213 meters wide, with four levels, and it was painted red at the height of the city's power. The most predominant architectural style was the tableaued tablero. Large rectangular panels with carved designs were used to decorate the buildings in Teotihuacan. The urban planning of Teotihuacan was really sophisticated. The Teotihuacan people put so much effort into the pyramid construction, which was probably motivated by their local religion. How were their pantheon structures similar or different from the other religions in the area? Similarly to the Olmecs and the Zapotecs, Teotihuacan was also a theocracy. The Teotihuacan pantheon of gods was made up of gods from neighboring civilizations and cultures, combined with some gods that were unique to Teotihuacan. For example, the Spider Woman. The Spider Woman was a god unique to Teotihuacan. Spider Woman, the goddess leading the pantheon, was thought to be the goddess of the underworld, influencing water, war, caves, and possibly the creation. 
The Spider Woman can also be found in North American religions like the Pueblo and Navajo, which call her Spider Grandmother. Other gods, for instance, the Maize God and Feather Serpent, were also found in other Mesoamerican religions. Similarly to the Zapotecs and the Mayans and the Olmecs, and also the Mixtecs, the people of Teotihuacan played the Mesoamerican ball game, which the Mayans called Pocatoke. Pocatoke is played on a court between two teams that use their hips to hit a ball against the opposing team's side of the court to score points. The winners of Pocatoke game would then have the honor of being sacrificed to the gods. Did I just hear you say that they had the honor of being sacrificed to the gods after winning? Why didn't the losers sacrifice their life? Yes, the winning team of a game of Pocatoke was sacrificed to the gods because winning a game of Pocatoke was seen as honorable in Teotihuacan, and this was viewed as the best time to be sacrificed to the gods. Human sacrifice of the winning team after a game of Pocatoke illustrate how much religion was involved in the ordinary lives of the citizens of Teotihuacan. I remember when talking about the Olmec religion in episode one, the Jaguar deities represented earth and fertility was also involved in the Teotihuacan pantheon. The human remains were also found in city temples, which were probably the trace of human sacrifice. The way we get to know about their religion mainly depended on their works of art. Unlike Zapotecs and Omics, the Teotihuacan did not make many arts about their rulers and aggrandize their power. They made ceramics and stone sculptures, including maps of jade depicting beautiful yet realistic human expression. However, there was a shift in the artistic style in 500 BCE as the military became more potent and conquested new territory. Then the art started to focus on elite warriors and priests, rather than realistic human expression. Apart from being a theocracy, the economy of the ancient Teotihuacan thrived. The city's wealth came from its monopoly on the Central American obsidian trade. It produced obsidian goods like ornaments, knives, and blades. The obsidian trade created many jobs like mining and carving that brought thousands of laborers into the city. Teotihuacan also manufactured spears, cotton, darts, salt, cacao, and shells. Also, pottery from other regions were sold throughout the city. There were several massive marketplaces where goods and foods brought from far or near were sold and traded. There was a specialization in intensive production and commercial exchange in the ancient city of Teotihuacan. The production includes grinding tools, plaster, pottery, obsidian, textiles, and so on. Workshops sponsored by wealthy patrons, state-administered workshops, and also independent residential workshops were all part of the production. Noble class supported the manufacture products that symbolized their wealthy status. Rulers supervised the administered workshop, which benefited their political power. One of the most important crafts was obsidian industry, which involved the administered workshops, regional and independent workshops. How did Teotihuacan grow to be such a powerful and influential city-state? One major advantage for Teotihuacan was that it was situated near large deposits of rare green obsidian that were believed to be alive and sacred. The location of Teotihuacan sat on top of the only place in Central America where this green, rare obsidian could be found. There were two major deposits, the Atumba source, which had an abundance of obsidian, 
and the Pachuca source, which had an abundance of a rare green obsidian. The obsidian was used for arrowheads, knives, and other tools. It was also used to sacrifice to the gods. The obsidian was processed by napping, a, a process using two large stones to chip the obsidian down to a round core, which was then used to make arrowheads and blades. The arrowheads and blades made in Teotihuacan were used all over the region in the neighboring Mixtecs, Mayan, and Zapotec civilizations. This monopoly on obsidian fueled the growth of Teotihuacan. I agree. Obsidian will be useful to provide valuable goods for trade and demand massive labor. Teotihuacan's location was also a determined factor for their prosperity. The city was surrounded by fertile farmland, which offered food and crops to feed a large population. The city was also situated at an ideal position for the established trade route that was very crucial to their economic dynamic. However, so much prosperity came at a cost for Teotihuacan. All the buildings in Teotihuacan were covered in lime, an ancient cement made from superheating limestone and mixing it with water. Lime was used to plaster the streets, the exteriors and interiors of buildings in Teotihuacan. The lime was then decorated with artwork and murals depicting military heroes and gods. Covering everything in lime required thousands of pounds of wood to be burned to heat the stoves that cooked the limestone. Where did all the woods come from? This wood came from the forests in the regions around the city. The deforestation caused by the lime production in Teotihuacan degraded the soil, which damaged the crops and caused socioeconomic strife. As trees depleted, a growing socioeconomic gap between the lower and richer upper class emerged. Society became more stratified. Many historians believe that the fall of Teotihuacan, which was the burning of temples and key administrative buildings, was an outcome from the socio-economic strife caused by poor harvest that resulted from the soil degradation from the lime production deforestation. After 600 CE, the city was abandoned, with many of the people migrating to the neighboring Mayan and Zapotec cities. However, the city was later on discovered by the Aztecs and absorbed into their large empire, and it continued to be a cultural and trading hub until the Spanish arrived in the 1500s. The socio-economic impact of environmental degradation in Teotihuacan 1500 years ago could be connected to our modern climate crisis. Although there is no simple correlation between the cultural and climatic change now and then, the lesson can be drawn from the collapse of Teotihuacan that no matter how one culture prospers from its industry and commercial trade, environmental degradation will cause the decline of a civilization if it goes unaddressed for too long. Therefore, modern civilizations should pay more attention to the environmental changes and the long-term ecological impacts of their economic customs and cultural behaviors. That is all for today. I hope you have enjoyed learning about all the different aspects of Teotihuacan and take away with an awareness of the environment around us. You may find the sources we used for research in the link below. Please reach out to our email, precolumbianhistory4 at gmail.com with your ideas for future episodes and ancient history topics that you'd like to see discussed or ideas on how we may improve future episodes of the podcast. If you want to learn more about the civilizations of Mesoamerica, please subscribe and listen to our next episode. This is Susie and Johnny, the history of the pre-Columbian world. Thanks for listening. Bye! Bye-bye.